0: Quintan is in. Let the fun begin.
1: (laughs) He went from totally geek to totally chic. I did have a dream
0: of like having a glow up moment. Hello and welcome to the
1: Untitled Gen X podcast. A podcast hosted by two childhood best friends dedicated to the pop culture that raised us. I'm Kate, a writer, a midwife, a current-day
0: pop culture know-nothing, but nobody puts baby in a corner when it comes to the pop culture of my youth.
1: And I'm Lori, a writer and pop culture lover who's still not over how my so-called life left us hanging. Welcome to season two of the
0: Untitled Gen X podcast.
1: Did you miss us? Because we totally missed you. We
0: decided we'd kick off season two by making good on a promise we broke in season one.
1: Yes, the shame that keeps us up at night is no more. Today, we dare ask the question, what price would you pay for popularity? Ronald Miller finds out
0: in 1987's rom-com, Can't Buy Me Love, starring a pre-McDreamy Patrick Dempsey
1: and Amanda Peterson. But before we get into it, we want to take a moment to thank you all for the mad love in season one. And to remind you to rate and subscribe so you never
0: miss an episode of season two.
1: Can't buy me love, Kate. The time has finally come. (laughs) We are here. (laughs) So you told me like, hey, I watched it and I really like this movie. I'm like, did you forget? Like, that's why I wanted to do it so badly in season one. In all fairness, I
0: remembered that I watched this movie a lot. Yes, I also remember that I watched Cocktail a lot.
1: (laughs) Yes, also true. So,
0: what I think I enjoyed so thoroughly about this movie on the rewatch is that it's a good movie and it held up. And there was not any part that I can think of, although maybe I missed something, where it was like, "Ooh, that didn't age well." And so, I think that's why I thoroughly enjoyed it because I sort of had come to the point where I sort of expect to like go back and watch some beloved thing and be like. Oh, mm. oh no. Yeah. And I and I didn't have that experience. This was just so enjoyable and fun.
1: But I think we can all agree that the real star of this movie, I mean, we love us some Patrick Dempsey, obviously, but it's the VW Rabbit. It's the Cabriolet.
0: The Cabriolet. I mean, who
1: did not want a Cabriolet convertible? I mean, it was the hottest car. It was the car we all wanted. The car every teenage girl dreamed of. Right.
0: And you know, uh, my when I grew up, a little bit. I mean, I wasn't super old. I was in my early 20s. My sister in law had one. Hers was red, not oh. white. And I drove it a few times that actually it was not a super comfortable car. And it was kind of a pain in the butt because like you had to like lock things in the trunk because it was a convertible. Right. Uh,
1: But I I just remember being like, this is like my dream fulfilled. Well, yeah. And really like none of those inconveniences, I'm just going to go ahead and call those minor, even if they were major, because you just look so damn good in it. I mean, you just look like you were ready for fun at any moment. Yeah. Like a true California girl. I know they weren't in California. I'm just saying.
0: Right. Top down, yeah.
1: good weather. Yeah, for sure. Like
0: I feel like as a teenage girl, my two most coveted cars were the Cabrio Convertible mm-hmm. and the Jeep Wrangler. Oh, yeah. Without the top, I mean.
1: Cute car. I right? had a white Acura Integra in '89. It was a hot car. It had a moonroof, which was I mean, not a convertible, but pretty damn close. And it was nice and boxy and it was white like this. So it was my own little special brand of the Cabriolet. Yeah. So I had
0: a red 1978 (laughs) Honda Civic hatchback. I remember it well. For people who like are having a hard time doing the math, I started driving in 1992.
1: So this car was old, Yeah, it was old and it used to die very regularly. I had to
0: check the oil. It often, like, I can't tell you how many times I had to drive around on a hot summer California day with my heat completely cranked so that the engine wouldn't overheat.
1: I mean, I remember so many times jumping out of your car and helping push it along. (laughs) Oh yeah. There was one time where like, so it was a standard
0: transmission and the only gear it would go into was reverse. (laughs)
1: Yeah. So the Cabriolet was the star of the movie, but also Amanda Peterson and Patrick Dempsey. Right.
0: Do you know, because of this movie, it was really hard for me to have buy-in for McDreamy because I was like, what? He's supposed to be
1: like cute and like handsome and charismatic now because like he was the nerd. You know, what's really funny is when I saw this movie back in 87, when it came out, I remember thinking upon his glow up, you're still not that cute to me. I don't find you very attractive. And going back and watching it, of course, I think he's really an attractive man now. I feel like he's just aged so beautifully. But I went back and I watched it and I thought he was really cute. I don't know what I didn't see in him at the time. He's always been very attractive. But, so, a, a few, I have many things to say about this. I can't decide which one to start with. Um, so.
0: <laughs> so
1: many thoughts.
0: So a couple of things. One. Like yeah, even in the beginning when he's like totally geeky, but I think at that time we were sort of trained to think that like that sort of like wild curly hair that he had, like that's kind of a cool thing now, but back in the 90s not so much or I'm sorry, the 80s. Uh not so much. And then, you know, he wore glasses and back then like glasses equaled nerd.
1: Right, like those horn-rimmed glasses, they look so right. good on him with those curls all loose and beautiful. Right, but he talked about science and like you know,
0: so it was just all the like, like stereotypical ew, science, like nerdy things, right? Stereotypical. Right. I like science, friends. I'm a fan of science. <laughs> but then this is the part that I don't get. But so then when she like doctors him up the first day they're seen together, she makes him look good. You know, she rips the sleeves off yeah, of his shirt. Yeah. She like pops up the collar a little bit, messes his hair up a little, and he, so he looks uh, great while they're dating. And then when he has, and I know I'm like jumping ahead on plot points, deal with me. Uh, then when he like kind of takes over his reputation,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I'm like, now you just look weird. Like you look creepy. Like you want to sell me a bad used car.
1: Yeah. I mean, some, <laughs> some of like the, I'm, I'm saying in air quotes here, um, like cool guy outfits, were <laughs> really awful. And like
0: everybody liked that. And I mean, maybe that's the point. That they're trying to make that like everybody bought into this like weirdness. But then at the end, he goes back to being like so adorable. And the McDreamy
1: that we all know and love now. Okay. Let's talk about Patrick Dempsey. Did you know that Patrick Dempsey was 20 during the filming of this and Amanda Peterson was 15? Oh, scandal. Yeah.
0: The one thing that I thought, I didn't really think about him that much, but like for the other characters, I was like, you know, a, a lot of these High schoolers actually look like high schoolers, which uh-huh. often in movies, especially in the 80s, <laughs> was like uh, Jake
1: and what is that, 16 Candles? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. And <laughs> like, like, what? As, as I told you, I, ever since we did the 90210, Brenda and Dylan, Dylan Oh, my goodness. Episode, right. So I've started watching 90210 again against all my better sensibilities I, i'm like <laughs> knee deep like kelly just went on a coke bender yeah th- things are not going well for kelly right now but oh, kelly went through a rough, rough patch she there. really did but they all looked so much older dylan mckay just it did not track at all so yeah. yeah
0: not uncommon i don't know it was nice to be like oh like these are like teenagers playing teenagers
1: yeah okay so this movie was released in the summer of 1987 It was a sleeper hit. It was made on a $1.8 million budget. It made $31.6 million in the box office. That's a good return on your investment. Yeah. And what's very interesting about this film is it was originally titled Boy Rents Girl. Oh, that's lovely. Right. The studio was like, oh, uh, like we really like the script, but it
0: sounds like that's a little uncomfortable. It sounds sexist. I mean, it sounds illegal. Well, depends
1: on which state, I suppose.
0: Oh, I suppose there are places in Nevada where
1: that's. Yeah, there are. All good. And early script drafts had more R rated material, but they cleaned it up because they really wanted that PG 13 rating you know, for like the teen girl market and it, it worked. Right. Like the, it should not have been
0: an R-rated movie because, and and honestly, one of the things I really appreciate a, about it was that like, it wasn't raunchy. Like it wasn't, it was kind of wholesome in a weird way. <laughs> I mean, there were a couple parts where you're like, okay, but considering how many of the movies of that genre or that time period were, it really was pretty squeaky clean. Yeah.
1: You and I love this movie as did all of our friends, but you know who didn't? The same guy who never likes the movies we liked, Roger Ebert. He gave it a whopping half star.
0: I'm not hurt that Roger Ebert doesn't have his finger on the pulse of like the young teen woman. Right, like, right. what? Like, of course he doesn't get it. Why would he?
1: Okay, well, this is what he said Can't buy me love makes American teenagers look like stupid and materialistic twits that would be all right if the movie were aware of itself and knew what it was doing if it were a satirical comment on our society but this movie is as naive as the day is long it doesn't have a thought in its head and probably no notion of the corruption at its core thoughts what corru- like i would like to know what he means by the corruption at its core because
0: the last scene, maybe he didn't finish it. (laughs) Maybe he walked out. (laughs) I mean, I feel like, well, it's not the last scene, but it's like the scene in the, at at lunchtime Yes, uh, is Mm -hmm. like, it ties it all up in a bow. Like, no, like you don't buy popularity and like your side, our side, you know,
1: like we all used to be friends when we were in elementary school. Yeah. And so
0: I don't, understand, like, what's the corruption that people are materialistic. I mean, that's just a trope of high school films. Like there's the popular kids and the not popular kids. And most of the time the popular kids have money. Like
1: that's just how that's like a film thing. But you know, he wasn't the only one that didn't like this film. Karen James of the New York times said, the film thinks it wants to be sincere when all it truly wants is to be popular, just like the other kids' movies, so it sells off its originality. I don't agree with that. I mean, it definitely
0: takes a different spin on a common theme.
1: Okay, yes, like like the whole money can't buy happiness.
0: Well, right, and like the popular versus unpopular, and like somebody gets in there by, you know, like renting a girl, this is not a John Hughes film, correct? No. It has a lot of elements. Like th- like there are l- enough elements in here to remind me of some kind of wonderful. Okay. Yeah. Uh, happy surprise. As I'm watching the opening credits, I'm like Seth Green was in this. I don't remember Seth Green <laughs> Yes, in this. he was. Because he was the itty bitty baby brother. Chucky. Wasn't his Chucky. name Chucky? Yeah. yeah. Chucky Miller. A <laughs> little Chucky Miller. Right. And uh, that character, super similar to the younger sister, not the baby sister, but like the middle sister in some kind of wonderful. wonderful, Yes. Like she's the one who kind of like tells him that the whole thing is a joke. Right. Similar to how like Chucky like goes and tells off Cindy Mancini at the end. So you like that, just those characters reminded me very much of each other. So, I mean, in terms of being a super original I don't know. I mean, it, it had some originality.
1: I felt like it was original enough. I didn't feel like I had seen it before, even if some of the themes yeah. were similar to, you know, teenage films at the time.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, for sure. Like it was not like, I mean, if you want to talk about not being original, like Pretty in Pink and Some Kind of Wonderful are essentially the same mm-hmm. movie with the genders flip-flopped. You right. Know? let's be honest, is this the kind of movie that we're asking critics to critically acclaim? It's not going to win an Oscar, like, but it was entertaining and it was enjoyable to my 11 year old self. Oh yeah. And I think that's probably what they were aiming for. I think that we were their target demographic.
1: (laughs) I mean, and I feel like this movie has wide appeal. I, I've talked to other Gen Xers who are like maybe even about a decade or so older than us who really enjoy this film. I, one thing that I did think
0: about as I was watching it though, because I think that in my mind, when I was 11 years old, like Cindy Manzini made a very big impression on me. Me too. As like the ultimate kind of like girl you would aspire to be in high school, right? She was like captain of the cheerleading squad. She was beautiful. She wore nice clothes. She had a lot of money. She had a good perm. Right, she mm-hmm. had all the things, and so it sort of seared it into my mind of like, like this is the ideal, like this is what you should be, and it really made me think about like how much we have learned in the time sense about how representation matters, and that like she represents such a narrow swath <laughs> of like, like the humanity. most narrow. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> I had
1: some things in common with her, like. Not very many. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I think that was the whole point. It's like, here's the most popular girl in school, the prettiest girl, the girl that everybody wants to be or be with, and he ends up getting her. I mean, that was the draw, right? I
0: know. But like, wouldn't it be lovely if like, and hopefully this is true now. I don't watch a lot of teen movies anymore, so I don't know. But like that, like that character has some diversity that she's not so like cookie cutter, like, I don't know. I just, and, but I mean, it was the eighties that was like Christy Brinkley and oh, Claudia yeah. Schiffer, and like that For was sure. the thing, but still it was just, I, it just, it hit me in a different way mm-hmm. watching it now than it did then.
1: Well, let's talk about Amanda Peterson for a second because, I mean, I know that she was cast as this super stereotypical girl, but I actually feel like she played this with some depth. Like it could have been a very flat character and I really believed her. And I don't often believe the character, you know, the lead in like, like a teen type movie. And there were times where the look on her face, like you could sense genuine heartbreak I believed her when she was drunk I believe that she was drunk she played it well and you know she was a child actress she was in Annie she was an orphan in 1982 which was
0: like my second favorite movie right I know
1: she was also in Explorers in 85 I liked that one
0: too so did
1: I And I watched the TV series she was in called A Year in the Life. It ran from 87 to 88. I I thought that it was great casting. And she was 15. So do you want to talk about the movie? Sure. Basically, Ronald Miller, he's a big old nerd. He mows lawns over the summer because he's saving for a telescope. And so one of his clients is the Mancini family. I guess it's just the mom and daughter, huh? Because the mom yes, is a single the mom, is mom and she's a sleazy dude. That, what's his name? Rock. Rock. Ronald's mowing their lawn. We see Cindy coming back home from shopping with her girlfriends. We learn that she has a boyfriend that's now a college freshman who plays football. Bobby. Bobby. And she's just like the most popular girl ever. So then of course we go to cheer practice where Cindy is the captain of the cheerleading team and we meet the guys, the popular guys. And one of them is Ricky played by Gerardo Mejia. Do you know who he is? No, he didn't look familiar to me. He is the one hit wonder of Rico Suave.
0: Oh.
1: And he later worked as an executive at Interscope Records. And now, according to uh, The Hollywood Reporter, he is a Christian youth pastor.
0: Interesting. Yeah.
1: Ronald's friend, Kenneth? Yes. Yes. Is he Malachi from Children of the Corn? I think he is. Oh my God. He looks so familiar to me. I think he is. I'm like Children of the Corn. That's all I see. Children of the Corn. <laughs> so Ronald is watching cheerleading practice and this is where he's wearing that like beret and those horn rimmed glasses. I think he looks like the cutest ever right there. I know. Right. I'm like, you're cute. I'd date you even if I was the captain of the cheerleading team. Right. Right. On his but little like- bike. When I was 11, I was like, what? A geek. I know me too. So, Kenneth arrives in his little shorty shorts and they talk about the telescope that Ronald wants to buy and, you know, Ronald can't get over the cool clique. He asks Kenneth, you know, do you ever think about being part of the cool group? He's saying, this is supposed to be the best year of our lives. The prom, parties, homecoming, we're supposed to have memories wouldn't you like to be popular? What happened to us? We used to all be friends. Did you experience that big divide? Because you were friends with the same kids from elementary school through high school.
0: I went, yeah, I went to the same school from kindergarten until I graduated. There were certainly different like little cliques of like groups that hung out together in elementary school, but I don't feel like popularity started to be a thing until we got closer to like sixth grade, like the end of fifth grade, all of a sudden there was sort of like this having awareness of like oh wait a minute like status and like reputation maybe matters and mm. um who your friends are and then in middle school like yeah. absolutely there were popular people
1: i mean am i crazy because this is when i joined you i moved to public school in middle right. school did you feel like popularity was more important in middle school than it was in high school? Because I almost feel like it oh, was. Absolutely. And I think, I mean, I, I haven't been in middle school for
0: a long time, but I think that that is just like a hallmark of that age. Like you're so conscious of like you're kind of trying to figure out who you are. I think it's very natural that like, right. How do you create identity? Like by like separating yourself from
1: the other. So that's when people sort of start to divide up. I mean, I didn't get the big sense of us versus them in high school. I didn't
0: get the sense of like us versus them, but I did definitely get the sense of like that. There was like a, a class structure. You know what I mean? Like that there were the people who were at the top. And there were the people who were at the bottom Mm -hmm. and I don't know that they were like at odds with each other in the same way. The sense that I got more was that the people at the top just really didn't care that the people below them existed. Like they were very busy with their own thing. And I suppose that that's also just like a side effect of being at the top is that you're just not as aware of other people because there's nobody above you. So you're only aware of yourself. Yeah, that's probably true. Like I remember in middle school, there was a new girl who started school and it was like, she was popular instantaneously. Like it felt like the first day she was there, like she was already popular. She met the criteria. Apparently.
1: Cause I just remember being like, how did that happen? I put in years at this school. <laughs> I put in my time. And the thing that's
0: funny, as I was watching this movie, I was like, did I want to be popular? I don't know. I I think I was very aware of the popular kids and I was like, I don't know where I like, I don't think I was like at the bottom of the pile, but like, I think I was, I was very much like in the
1: middle. I don't know. Maybe I was just oblivious because I really didn't feel like popularity was that big of a deal in high school. Oh, I'm
0: sorry. I'm thinking of middle school and what I'm talking about right now in high school. I don't think it was as big a deal. And I do feel like people were like, I can remember being in a class one time I was, I was very smart. I was an intro to calculus (laughs) and uh, I missed a test. And so I had to make it up. And so I had to go to like what the teachers, like a different section of a class that, that that same teacher taught. And it was like, kind of like a basic math class, right? Uh And so I was just in the back corner taking my test and this guy in the back goes, hey, hey, and I'm like, just taking my test, minding my own business. And he kicks my chair and he goes, hey, smart girl, what's up with that fancy math? (laughs) Oh my God, that's the stupidest thing i ever heard. And I was like, I'm being bullied for being smart. I was, and I was like, and it's not like I was like, Trying to show off, or like I was just trying to take my test. But I mean, obviously, if you're doing like really basic algebra, and like somebody's doing calculus, like you're like, what the hell is going on on that?
1: <laughs> <laughs> what is this person doing?
0: I didn't know what to say because, the, like, I was very easily intimidated back in. That time in my life. And thankfully, like a girl that I knew from elementary school, and we weren't ever like close friends, but you know, because you went to elementary school together, like you just kind of know each other. And she was like, hey, leave her alone. I know her. She's cool.
1: (laughs) I was like, she vouched for you. (laughs) This is a dangerous situation, man. That's what you get for going to the back of the class.
0: Right. So I do think that there is a little bit of a, like, I feel like in high school, there was a sense of sort of camaraderie middle school. I feel like it was a lot more brutal, a big divide. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So Ronald, you know, he wants to be popular. He, here he is. He's asking Kenneth and Kenneth is like, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know. I don't really think about it, but you can tell like Ronald's been thinking about what would it be like to be part of this group? Meanwhile, Cindy has to get ready for a rager a back to school party. She's got to look her very best. She asks her mom, mom, can I borrow your white suede dress? And her mom's like, absolutely not. So she decides what we all would decide (laughs) and she wears it anyway. But also like, why would you wear that outfit to that party? I mean, it's a full like suede bralette situation, Right, with with like a skirt skirt and the jacket.
0: jacket. And also, can we talk for a minute about some of the wardrobe choices? It's the end of summer, beginning of the school year in In Arizona. Arizona. (laughs) And like she has a Letterman jacket on in the beginning. Yep. She wears this like way full on outfit. Uh, There's another scene four weeks after she's been with Ronald, right? So we're like in like early October. And she's in a sweater. And I'm like, have these people never been to Arizona?
1: <laughs> I didn't really look at it from that point of view. I was just like, oh, I like that. Oh, I do not like that. Like there were shoulder pads everywhere. I was oh, there not. there were a lot of shoulder yeah, pads. I was not there for that. So- at the party, everyone's like, Oh my God, Cindy, love your outfit. And somebody calls it like severe suede. And right. she lies to everyone. She's like, Oh, my boyfriend in college, like, got it far. Oh, me. because they have fine leather in Iowa. <laughs> Don't you know? I mean, they have a lot of cows. So
0: stands to reason.
1: Yeah. So one of the girls in this scene is Amy Dolans. And mm-hmm. do you remember her? She's actually the daughter of Mickey Dolans from The Monkees. Right. She was in that other movie. She's out of control. She gets a glow up, right? Yes. She's out of control with Tony Danza. I love that movie too. I did too. Like honestly, I will say this, like popular, not popular, whatever. But I was
0: like a chubby girl who wore glasses. And like, I think probably by then my buck teeth were better. But like I did have a dream of like having a glow up moment. I really did want that to be true. It never happened. Yeah.
1: I mean, I I think we all did, right? Like in our own way, we're like, oh, I want to just be able to- I want to come down the staircase and have people be like, (laughs) I never realized she was so beautiful. Yeah. I could have gone for like a, she's all that movement, a transformation like that would have done me good. Yeah. And, but the thing is, is I think
0: when I was a little bit older, like by the time I was like 18, like when I go back and look at pictures, I was like, I was
1: really beautiful, but that's the curse. You didn't know it. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know. I look back. I'm like, Oh my God. I thought I was so fat. I was not fat. Yes. (laughs) Or, you know, I I just,
0: I don't know. I know it's, it's very sad. Like I look back at pictures sometimes and I'm like, it's disorienting.
1: Honestly, yeah. it's like, I can't trust my judgment on anything. <laughs> I know. Cause I'm like, what do I look like now?
0: Like, what will I think in five years when I look back at pictures of myself?
1: I know. So this is when Quint. Quinton
0: is here. <laughs> what is it? Like, oh no. Quinton is in. Let the fun begin. <laughs> you know, it's going to be in
1: the intro to the episode, don't you? It should be. It's so great. So so this is when Quint, the football player, spills red wine. Like he doesn't just spill red wine. He basically throws red wine, like really thick red wine, (laughs) across all over Cindy and her white severe suede. And Cindy is like freaking out out. she goes to the bathroom and she's just, like feverishly trying to get red wine out of white suede and right. you know Katie we all have to remember something very important this was before the advent of oxyclean so she's super busted or tight pens like
0: tight pens <laughs> there's
1: no hope she's just screwed
0: she's screwed and, and, like do you remember like watching that when you were younger and being like oh no oh, I do it was
1: like I swear to God it was like a bullet it just hit like, me I was like
0: oh even when you knew it was coming when you were like on the rewatch
1: you were just like oh, oh god. god and it's not gonna come out it's not <laughs> coming out <laughs> like, because I mean what does Cindy Mancini know of laundry right she doesn't know anything right. she's a very privileged girl she's in the bathroom like feverishly trying to get this out and I'm thinking oh man, I'm you're an experienced mom <laughs> with baseball stains and I'm here to tell you that ain't coming out.
0: Right. Like there's no
1: way. Like, there's no hope. Like you're so busted. Yeah. I don't even own a pair of white jeans. In fact, when I wear my white Vans, I'm on edge. Like, And these are shoes. I
0: recently invested in some white t-shirts, but I'm terrified.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's not going to go well.
0: No, and it's
1: good that I have some uh,
0: good enzyme cleaners at home that do a good job in getting <laughs> stains out.
1: Yeah, it's true. So the next day at the mall, Ronald Miller, he, you know, he worked all summer long to save. two hundred and
0: eighty-seven miles of lawn.
1: Okay, he earned fifteen hundred bucks, and yeah. so he is prepared. He is ready to pull the trigger on this telescope, and he's yeah. at the mall looking through the telescope and. Oh my God, from far away, he sees Cindy Mancini walking through the mall and he follows her. Cause that's not creepy. That's not creepy at all. And he follows her as she enters into a store and she's talking to like the sales associate. She's like, Can I exchange the dress? And I'm like, Which, okay. like What? Like, yeah. can I exchange it? Like, can you fix it? Can you help me? But like, how can I exchange it? Exactly. And she's like pleading. I would do anything. Which was mildly suggestive. Well, and he says, I'm not that kind of man. (laughs) She's like, I could come and work after school. And he's like, nope, nope, nope. And this is when Ronald ditches the telescope and goes to see what's going on with Cindy and decides I might have an answer that could help us both out.
0: Right. And there's like that, like iconic image of him, like fanning
1: out, the money out all those dollars. Right. And he holding it up the in the window. window. Right. Yeah. And Ronald says, I want to rent you. You want to what? <laughs> you pretend you like me and we go out for just a few weeks. That'll make me popular. She's like, that is not going to work. And he's like, yeah, it will. And she's so desperate. She agrees. So on the first day of school, this is what you were talking about. We see Cindy looking super rhythm nation. She looks great. She's wearing that like black blazer. Right. She looks really chic. I mean, she's very 80s. But like all the prettiest parts of the 80s, right? Without the crazy bangs. Okay. So maybe that was the difference. Because her friends had the crazy bangs. They had crazy bangs and crazy makeup. She had that like clean scrubbed. Iowa farm girl look. Yeah, she really did. So, Cindy meets up with Ronald and they negotiate their terms. And Cindy's like, "No hand holding, no kissing," and I get my Can lunch. I get my off. lunch off. <laughs> <laughs> and Ronald's like, "That's not our deal. I need a better return on investment." All right. They ultimately negotiate four lunches and a pretend relationship for one month. And this is when Cindy does her mini little glow up on Ronald. Right And like the moose in the hair, yeah, the sleeves, lose the sleeves. His curls are gorgeous. Yeah, right. he looks cute,
0: right? He did. He looked really good. Like when she does that, I'm like,
1: oh, yeah, like, mm, like that's That good. was simple. And oh, my God, they walk uh, the hallway. You know, it's funny. I was like, we didn't
0: have a hallway. But you know what? Actually, the senior quad, did you feel very welcome in the senior quad when you were a senior? Because I didn't. I felt like that was for the popular kids. <laughs>
1: I I don't remember hanging out there.
0: No, I like, I might walk through it, but like, yeah, like I just didn't feel like that was like, I feel like that was for the popular
1: kids. I have one very distinct memory of walking through the senior quad with our mutual friend. And I said to her, you know, my mom says high school is the best years of your life. I really hope she's wrong because (laughs) this sucks. Yeah. So I must've thought it sucked because I said it and I remember saying it. I tell young people this, like, you don't want to peak in high school. Oh, never peak in high school. It's the worst thing you could do. That's not
0: a good idea. Because like, like it's, it's better to let your peak come later because you're so young in high school, like that can't be your peak. like
1: it it just can't there's only one way one place to right. go from there. Like it's all downhill. No, I you know what? I tell my boys all the time, Of course, I don't think they listen to anything I say, but I say it anyway. I always tell my boys, like go for the wallflower if she's a nice girl and she's easy to talk to and she's kind and sweet. Go for the Winnie Cooper. Those are the girls to go for, man. Because yeah, that's just where it's at, right? Yeah, I don't, I don't think they listen, but I, whatever. I say it, right? So they're gonna have a date, and Ronald shows up to pick up Cindy, and he's full on wearing a suit, right? To like a party, like a a high school party, right? I mean, like a tie. He's wearing a tie.
0: This is a thing that's always interesting to me in movies is that I feel like they dress people really fancy. And I'm like, people, even like the rich popular kids, like didn't dress that fancy in high school.
1: They didn't. I, I don't know. I mean, it was all, you know, stuff from like Contempo casuals and clothes time. That's all I remember. Well, and
0: like, yeah. And going back to middle school again, like there was like all the guest jeans and all of that stuff, but like not like fancy clothes.
1: Yeah, no. I mean, these people look like they're going to, like, a Hollywood party, like Young Hollywood. Right. Yeah. Right. So, at the party, I mean, he's clearly, like, so overdressed. And Cindy's friends are like, he went from totally geek to totally Totally chic. chic. Yeah, so he's chic now. Yeah. And at school, Ronald is just feeling himself. I mean, this is when his style starts to take, like, a really bizarro turn he's right. wearing that like plaid shirt and vest and that giant ass belt buckle like what right. is this style was this ever a thing
0: know. no no it's very peculiar and i i assume that the point of it is to like highlight that like they just kind of like once they decide he's popular
1: like he could wear he can do whatever do he wants anything and it and they'll think it's cool, cool. like exactly. the african anteater ritual <laughs> Which I have something to say when we get there. Um, That has an interesting history, actually. Ronald blew off his weekly card game with his friends. And Ronald just does not have time for Kenneth. He is now a cool guy. Right. This is when we see Ronald washing Cindy's car. And I felt like this was almost a turning point, at least in the character development of Cindy. Because up until now, all we know about Cindy is... Okay, she's so beautiful and she's the most popular in dating, you know, the star football player that went off to college. But Cindy reveals more about herself and she's vulnerable with Ronald and she's like, she told him, I don't do much but shop and hang out. And Ronald's like, you can do anything you want, anything you put your heart and mind to. I believe that. And this is when she gives him her poems. Nobody knows she's a poet. Not even her boyfriend, Bobby. right. So she asks him to keep it a secret.
0: Yeah. I understand why this happened here in terms of like the
1: plot line, but it does seem a little premature to me, to be totally honest. Me too, because they had negotiated these terms, right? But now like they're hanging out after school, like nobody's there. Right. Like they're just choosing to do this. But also
0: how many times have you gotten into like a fun, playful, sexy fight
1: while washing a car? (laughs) I can assure you if I'm washing a car, I'm pissed off. Right. Like it's, <laughs> there's nothing sexy about it. Like it happens in all the movies and I'm just like, at
0: it's no, like, I'm like, going to throw like, a
1: sponge at you. Oh, I'm going to shoot you. No, no, I'm going to play with like that. I
0: don't, it's, it's like, you know, dangling like the hotel key. Yes. Like does this happen in real life? And if it does, like does it happen spontaneously or does it happen because people is it like life imitating art? Like people are like, I saw this in a movie once. I'm gonna do it. I don't know.
1: Maybe I just live a really boring life. I I mean maybe I do too. Maybe I don't have like a playful spirit.
0: I'm playful, but like I've never like maybe I just take my car to get it washed.
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> maybe this is you, the answer. <laughs> this is what you've been doing wrong. Right. But in the spirit of Cindy Mancini and her poems, I'm going to do a dramatic reading. I'm here for it. Someday, my wish is for him to hold me in his arms in a sea of deep blue. Together at last, together as two. Wow. I didn't know you were a poet.
0: So anyway, Cindy's a poet. And then is the next thing that they go to that? Airplane graveyard. Yeah.
1: I mean, that's the that's the end of their agreement. That's the last official date, which I found very interesting because I really like this scene for a lot of reasons. But their last official date, like no one's around. It's just the two of them. So I thought the right. whole point of this was that
0: people, people saw
1: them. Saw them and thought they were together. But like this is actually a date that involves just the two of them.
0: And I think that that's when she starts to be like, oh, you know, because, you know, at the end of the date, he's like, so I've been thinking about how we should do this.
1: Yes. And she thought that he was like, like, how should we kiss? How should we, you know? Right. Like she she thought that there were mutual feelings there. Right. And then, and then
0: we find out that like, he th- he's talking about like, how should they break up? How should they stage the
1: breakup and come to the end of their agreement? And I'll tell you the look on her face when she realizes this, this is what I'm talking about. Like, it's a real moment.
0: Yeah, no, she's definitely like,
1: oh, mm, right, okay. I was like falling for you, but right. I can't think of a date that could possibly top that date. It was pretty great. I mean, it, like, it was I- so romantic. Wait, hold on. I'm trying to think of like,
0: What's my favorite movie date that I would want to go on?
1: I don't know if I have
0: a favorite movie date.
1: I'm sure that I do. I mean, in terms of like movie dates, this is definitely near the top of the list.
0: I mean, it has a lot of really good elements, right? It's just personally like that graveyard and like scaling the wall, eh.
1: Well, okay, I don't want to have to scale a wall. I'm not fucking Spider Man, right? And I'm wearing like a right. skirt and boots. I'm just, I don't really want right. to do that on a date. But like the element of
0: like you're by yourself, you're sharing stories, you're looking at the moon through a telescope. Yes. You know,
1: I mean, yeah, like for sure. Like that's, that's, you know, that's it's stuff. super romantic. And I was actually thinking, like, what other movie dates do I really like? And I really like in Notting Hill. When again they scale a fence, Hugh Grant and Julia Roberts to go into that park and sit on that bench. I don't remember. it. Oh, you don't. And it's it's a similar vibe, right? They're sharing stories, mm-hmm. they're getting to know each other, and maybe I just have a thing for scaling walls, even though I don't. I don't want to actually have to physically do that, right?
0: And only one of us has actually hopped a fence.
1: <laughs> this is true. I haven't done it. Wait, didn't your fence have barbed wire? Isn't that what you it said? It did. It had what barbed episode wire What was that? I
0: don't, I don't remember why it came up, <laughs> um, but I did. Somebody tell us which episode. <laughs> um, no. And like, we also talked about the one about like our favorite day, yes. you know, mm-hmm. like what day when we did Groundhog Day, like what day mm-hmm. would you want to relive? And I mean, truly it was a day that I spent with somebody that I cared about very much. And it was, it, I mean, we, we did not scale a wall. We did hike down a hill to a like hidden beach area on the lake, but it was, it really was. It was one of those things where it was like just us and talking and sharing and like just doing like really simple, but fun things. I mean, that's the best
1: kind of date.
0: I mean, I really appreciate that quality time is one of my love languages. Sure.
1: Yeah. I don't know. I I just thought everything about that date was pretty fantastic. And if she wasn't in love with him before, I can see why she was sort of ready to lean in and have that kiss with him. Well, he also,
0: I think treated her like a person. He did. (laughs) He,
1: He did. Yes. Before the popularity got to his head. Sure.
0: Right. And I think that like, there wasn't a lot of authenticity in her world, right? People were very superficial, and and this is also where because I was going to say people were very concerned with like their status and their reputation. And when they talk about how they're going to end things, she's like, "Well, we have to be mindful of your reputation, right? We don't want to like end it for a reason that would ruin your reputation." Right. And he's like, "I have, have a reputation." A reputation? I have what I have a right. Re- and then he's like, and and this is like where it starts, right. Where he like it goes is. down the rabbit hole and he's lost.
1: Yes. So. Because the next day at school, he's ready to stage the breakup. Like first thing and just begins by making this giant spectacle, yelling at her that she's, you know, bleeding him dry and he can't keep up with her spending. She's horrified. Right. And he thinks she's playing along, but she's just honestly pissed and he brings up Bobby and she slaps him and walks off and he's, he's happy with himself, you know, and her friends are like, he's such a heartbreaker. Right.
0: Right. And like, yeah. And again, like he is thinking like, oh, this is just
1: part of our agreement and it was just a game. And so, so after school, Cindy tells him, look, popularity isn't perfect. It almost feels like a job sometimes. Whatever happens with the popularity thing, just stay yourself. Don't change for them. And he says, Me change? Never. Never. And in the very next scene, we see him at school, like moving and shaking like a boss. He's wearing weird, like patterned blazers and bolos and sunglasses with a neck cord. Like, what? That slick back hair? Like your curls. Hey, Why would you ruin your hair like that? I don't know. Cindy's friends, they're all over him. So there's no loyalty here in the land of popularity.
0: And it seems to be because like the one girl like asks him out for like that Friday or whatever. And then the other friend is like, hey, I was going to ask him out. And she's like whatever, Pat's it's only October. So like the expectation is like, they're going to like, you know, not share, but like cycle through this. guy.
1: <laughs> well, I, I get the impression that the dating pool is pretty incestuous, right? Like the cool kids, they only really date amongst themselves. So that probably happens quite a lot. Right. Okay. So he's got a date for the school dance. Right. And so we see him at home trying to kind of figure out, like, oh shit, I am going to a dance and I don't know how to dance.
0: Right. And and I've promised somebody that I have like crazy good I've moves. I've got moves. <laughs>
1: yeah. I've got moves. He's like, I need to watch some American sandwich I totally forgot about American band sandwich. Uh-huh. It ran from 1952 to 1989. And so he thinks he's watching American Bandstand <laughs> and he's practicing these moves in his kitchen. And then he leaves to go get ready for the dance. And we learn that he was watching the PBS Cultural Hour. And the dance was actually the African anteater ritual dance. Right. The director, Steve Rash, told Moviehole that fake cultural dance could so easily be perceived as racist or stupid. Either would have been fatal to the movie. And Rash actually hired Paula Abdul to choreograph the dance in a culturally sensitive way. And he said, she conceived the African anteater ritual and then came to Tucson to coach a gymnasium full of teenagers. I owe my creative life to Paula. (laughs) There you go, Paula Abdul. Okay, wait. I
0: have to read a note that has nothing to do with the dance, but it's in my notes chronologically before the dance, okay, which is at some point, the girls are in the locker room. Yeah. Like, and they're all in like underwear, not crazy, sexy underwear, but like sexier underwear than I was wearing in high
1: school. They're hanging out in their underwear. It's not that we just see them change quickly. No, they're like walking around, strutting
0: around in their underwear and they all look very sexy and cute. And you know, like this was not a thing. Like we were like, I'm taking off my shirt. I'm putting on my other shirt. I'm taking off my pants. I'm putting on my shorts. Like it was the
1: horror of our young lives to have to change it all. Do you recall that there was
0: like one girl that was like the naked girl in the locker room? (laughs) (laughs)
1: She
0: would just walk around naked. She had no shame. And I mean, it was really, is actually very healthy. Lori and I were having a discussion about whether like you're like a naked person or not. Right. And like, you know, I will give you two guesses as to who's the naked person or not between the two of us.
1: Yeah. It's not me.
0: And I feel like that always happens. Like same thing. Some kind of wonderful. uh, The girls are like prancing around in their cute little bikini jockey underwear. This this is not my life in high school.
1: Yeah, it's true. So at the school dance, of course, there's a live band because WTF there always is in movies and Ronald Miller spikes the punch like for liquid courage. And he's like, let's get on the dance floor. I've got some moves. I've got to show you. And he starts dancing the African anteater ritual dance. And everyone is like, what? Right. Like what's
0: happening? And then they all join in. When this movie first came out, I was like, that's ridiculous that dance oh my gosh it's crazy but then when I was watching it this time I'm like I, that doesn't seem that weird anymore <laughs> <laughs> like dancing apparently has changed enough that like I was like eh, yeah I don't know uh, but the best moment in this is like every and like the teachers are like what like what is like what are people doing what is going on and everybody joins in except Ronald's old friends from the card game who are sitting there like the little nerdy kids and they're yeah. like ah,
1: it's the African anteater. Right, because they were the ones watching the PBS Cultural Hour. Right. Of course. So it's like this cute moment. It is. And Cindy's there with like another college guy, right?
0: In my memory, was so cute and cool. Oh, really?
1: He's not. And I'm like,
0: <laughs> no, he's not.
1: And Cindy's pissed. Like,
0: why is everyone just following him?
1: Right. It's gross to her. So it's now Halloween and Ronald is picked up by his football playing popular friends. Oh,
0: this part is painful.
1: Yeah. They've got this annual tradition of vandalizing a particular house with dog poop and like eggs and stuff. And Ronald's there to participate and they pull up to the house to do their thing And Ronald realizes it's his old friend, Kenneth's house, like his best friend. And he doesn't want to do it, but due to popularity, peer pressure, he gives in. Which like, it's a sad moment. It's a sad moment. And like, of course, it's easy to say
0: watching it that you wouldn't do it. But like, I would really like to think that I would not have done that. I mean, I would too. I I don't actually think I would have done it. I don't think so either. Like, I think. I might not have explained why, but I,
1: I don't think I could have
0: done it. Like I, it's just, that's so horrible. So he
1: really begrudgingly participates in this thing and Kenneth and his family who they're tired of this happening to their house every Halloween. They're like, we're going to set up traps. We're going to find out who it is this year. We're going to put an end to this. And Kenneth catches him. And when Kenneth sees that it's Ronald, it's a moment like that one hit me too. Oh, that felt like a gut punch. It's rough. Ronald runs away. Yeah. It's just really sad. And the thing that I was
0: thinking too is like, I mean, presumably they were really good friends. So if this has been happening in the last three years up until this point, surely like Ronald must have known Known about it. bothersome it was to this family and how horrible it was. And so it just like makes it that much worse that he would participate.
1: Yeah. Why are people mean? (sighs) Popularity, man. It does things to people. Things aren't really going very well for Ronald. Like his social status is climbing, but like things in his life are really falling apart. He lies to his parents. He's like, oh yeah, uh, I didn't get my report card yet. Like. This was a really right. smart. He's kid. not doing well in class. He's not doing well in school. His friendships are kind of falling apart. And Ronald tries to talk to Kenneth after this Halloween incident and Kenneth is just like no, he can't even talk to him, which I mean rightfully so. Of course. So at this point, Cindy actually reaches out to Ronald and she's like, hey, do you ever want to go back to the airplane graveyard?" And she tells him she wrote a poem for him. And he tells her, save it for your college boyfriend. Right. He's a jerk to her too. The very person that, you know, made him from zero to hero. He just doesn't have time for anymore.
0: Right. Because he's like very
1: involved in like the girls
0: want him. And he's like friends with the football players. And like, he's thinking he's
1: very cool. And so this is the infamous New Year's Eve party. Cindy's sad about everything that's happened with Ronald. These relationships are all very superficial, she's coming to realize. And she's so drunk with really good hair. Her hair is amazing. But again, she's dressed very fancy. Very fancy. And she's like stumbling around the hallway. She's so drunk. And she comes upon Ronald making out with Iris in the bathroom. And she sees and overhears him reciting her own poem to iris to get some it's a rough moment and at this moment bobby her college boyfriend arrives to the party oh my god surprise his hair's so atrocious katie it's long in the back he's the 70s dude oh my god so feathered in the front i know and he learns from you know his younger high school friends ronald miller has quote gotten cindy and uh Bobby is not okay with that. No, they fight. And she tells him like, oh my God, Bobby, it was an act. Like it was an act. He paid me. And that makes you a prostitute. And drunk Cindy calls out Ronald at the party. And she yells, Ronald Miller paid me $1,000 to pretend to like him. He bought me and he bought all of you. At least I got paid.
0: Well, and she's also like, cause he said that if I spent time with him, like that would make him popular.
1: And I was like, no way, <laughs> right. but he was great. he bought me and he bought all of you. And at least she got paid. No one wants him there. They're like, uh, dude, you gotta go. Right. And like Iris who like moments ago was all
0: over him and digging his plagiarized poetry. Right. Uh, He's like, Hey, do you want to leave? And she's like, I don't, I don't know you. I don't know you, (laughs) but I mean, I also feel like, I mean, I don't think I was ever like ostracized in high school, but I do feel like sometimes people could like turn on a dime and it's just like, all of a sudden somebody was like
1: on the outs and that was it. Most definitely. I mean, even just rumor of something like, Oh, now you're out. Right. Like, no, you've done wrong. Popularity is fragile. I was not popular. So
0: I don't speak from experience, <laughs> but I, yeah, it's, it's a weird thing. And I feel like, I don't know if I felt like this when I was younger, but as an adult, I feel like it seems like a lot of work to be. popular.
1: She tells them in the beginning, it feels like a job. Yeah, it is a job. It's very much a job. And so he has no one like no one wants to associate with him like his old friends, his popular unfriends, uh, even like
0: the like, quote unquote rejects, like won't have anything to do with him.
1: Exactly. At school, no one even acknowledges him or sits with him at lunch. Right. Ronald again tries to apologize to Kenneth and Kenneth is hurt. And that this is the infamous line. You shit on my house. We see Ronald at home. He's studying in his room, and in there, there's a drawing of Cindy. Did you see it? Right, like presumably that he drew. That he drew. Yeah, Yeah. that he drew. And he calls her, and she won't take his call. But she's she wants to know like what he said. And this
0: is also where we get like a little bit of the moral because like uh, she's like, "What did he say?" And the mom's like, "He said like he was a geek, and then he wasn't a geek, and like now he's a geek again, honey." I don't know what a geek is. (laughs) And she's like, well, I guess like Ronald Miller is a geek. And the mom's like, that's who?
1: Right. At school at this point, Kenneth is helping a cheerleader with math and like a football player doesn't like it. He's like, he's trying to pull a Ronald Miller. Right. He's trying to like, you know, weasel his way in and dupe us all. And Ronald defends him and he tells everyone, like, we were all friends when we were kids. Your side, my side, man, it's all bullshit. It's hard enough to be yourself. And they all cheer. They agree. There's a little dicey there for a moment. Right. But the cheer starts with the, the slow clap. Which then becomes wild cheers
0: from all sides, which honestly is a little cheesy.
1: It is cheesy. I mean, that would never happen, right? Like if anything, the fight would just kind of dissolve, like whatever, man. And that would be it. There wouldn't be this big kumbaya moment. Yeah. And then in the last scene, we see Ronald Miller back to mowing Cindy's lawn. There's another scene before that. With the 6 a.m. mowing lawn. Yeah,
0: where he shows up and like she comes out and she's because he he would she wouldn't take his calls so he right. just shows up on his lawnmower at six a.m. Right, and, uh, and she so she comes out and they have a little like moment.
1: He tells her, "You brought me back to reality, and I want to sort this out." Yeah, we see him mowing her lawn, and he's wearing that cowboy hat, looking super cute, looking very cute. Cindy comes out to pay him, and her friends show up in a convertible to pick her up. Wait, so here's my
0: question. Yeah. She comes out and she hands him an envelope and she says that should cover it. Do you think
1: she's paying him back the thousand dollars? Oh, (laughs) I don't know. I never even considered that. I thought she was just paying him for like mowing her lawn. I
0: always thought that too. And then when I saw it this time, I was like, Oh no, I, I think she's paying him back. How did Cindy Mancini come into a thousand dollars? Her mom probably gave, like she probably explained the whole thing to her mom and her mom probably was like, You need to Okay.
1: Well, that, that might be a scene on the cutting room floor because they don't show us that. No, but like it's interesting, right? Like
0: that I don't know. I could be wrong. She could that could have totally happened
1: him. because she had that little sweet moment with her mom. Right. Let's watch a movie and I'll make popcorn. Well, and like, honey, what's a geek? And like right. that part.
0: Like she could have like spilled the beans in that moment. That would have made more
1: sense. But yeah, so I don't know. She pays him dollars for for something. Something. And her friends arrive to pick her up and they leave. And he's just on his lawnmower looking kind of sad. Or Lauren, perhaps. And the cool kids go to drive away. And oh my God, she has them stop the car. And she gets out and she runs to him. And she gets on the back of his mower. She grabs his hat, Katie, and puts it on her head. And they ride off into the sunset and then they kiss. And that was a movie moment. That was a nice bow to wrap the movie up with. I loved that ending. I thought that ending was so good. I did too. And do you want to know, I
0: blame that ending and many others like it for a moment in my life that did not go that way. I had a really amazing time once with a dude. We had a really great connection I happened to be in town visiting and I was camping during my visit and I was like, wow, we have this great connection. This is amazing. And he was like, yeah, it is. Uh, bye. (laughs) And I was like, wait, what? And he was like, yeah, I'm going to take you back to your campsite. And I was like, oh, really? But, But weren't you here? Didn't we just share this moment together? Don't you want it to keep going? I was like, but no, but like, really? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. So he drives me back to my campsite. And for those of you who go camping, you know that most campsites are loops, right? So he leaves me like, so we have this like sort of tender, sweet goodbye. And he kisses me on the cheek and it's starting to rain as this is happening. And I'm like, so I'm sad and it's raining.
1: That's very cinematic, by the way. Seriously. He gets in his car. Even the weather was weeping. Right. To drive away. And so he,
0: he turns and he's going down like this path. And as he comes to this spot, he can turn left and loop back around and come back to my campsite, or he can go right and leave the campground. And I'm like, if this was a movie here, turn left. If this was a movie here, turn left. And, and I'm like sitting there and I'm sitting there and he turns
1: right. And I was just like, every movie I've ever watched so <laughs> he would turn supposed to go this way. It's sort of like the end of the bridges of Madison County. Yeah, yeah. That's heartbreaking. It was rough. Like I was just like, I'm like, this would be like the best
0: moment. I am clearly not in a rom-com. <laughs> like, oh, this is my
1: life. I was just like, come on, but no. Yeah. Well, and another sad note Amanda Peterson is no longer with us. It's a very sad story. I I read that in the show notes and I, it's always very jarring to me when like, I don't realize that somebody's died. I knew that she had passed away and it was a little bit hard to watch this knowing that she's so young and beautiful and vivacious And in learning about her, she experienced a sexual assault at the height of her career when she was 15. She was 15 when she found this. Mm -hmm. Hollywood, you have to clean up your act, man. Yeah, And I mean, this was by a man twice her age, and she kept it a secret for years from her family, and she just started to unravel from the pain and trauma- And it led her down some really dark paths. Her dad said after that, she became so defensive, less trusting. Some of the sparkle was gone. And her mother said, I think it affected her forever. Ultimately, she ended up leaving Hollywood to uh, move to Colorado and kind of start over. She was married twice, um, mm-hmm. but she struggled with addiction. She had a misdemeanor and a felony charge: DUI, drug possession. And she died in July of 2015 from acute morphine toxicity. She was 43. Oh, that's sad. It's very sad because at the time of her death, she actually had plans to start a blog and a fan page. And she told a friend she wanted to give back to the community, open an acting studio to help grow the self-esteem of kids. Mm. Gone much too soon. That's tragic. And of course, we know that Patrick Dempsey went on to star in Grey's Anatomy and enchanted one of my all-time favorite Disney (laughs) films with Amy Adams. Bridget Jones's Baby and Sweet Home Alabama. And it's funny cuz he was sort of
0: gone for a long time. And then all of a sudden he popped back up again.
1: And then he was like everywhere. Right. Right.
0: Right. <laughs> yeah. And then it was like you couldn't get away from him. And I mean, he is a, he is a well, like not in a bad man. way.
1: Like I don't mind it. No, he's I, a I'm good looking man. I'm happy to see him on my screen anytime, anywhere, all right. the time. <laughs> right. So overall, like a really fun rewatch, a little bit hard knowing that Amanda Peterson is no longer here because she was just so genuinely talented. But overall, I really did enjoy the film. It was as fun now as it was then, even though we are so much older. (laughs) Like it was still really
0: enjoyable and like not like it aged really well.
1: It did. It it had like a few moments that I was sort of like, eh, but like right, nothing
0: couple deeply where,
1: problematic like we usually see in these 80s films.
0: Right. Like there's things that like people wouldn't do anymore. Like that would have been cut out.
1: Right. It was fun. And if you haven't seen it in a long time, go back and watch it. You'll still really like it. I give it two thumbs up. So do I. I'm Roger sorry. Roger Ebert. Ro- I was just going to say, <laughs> I'm sorry, Roger Ebert. We disagree yet again.
0: Thanks so much for joining us. We want to remind you to rate and subscribe so you never miss an episode because season two is full of surprises.
1: And remember, party people, you can find us on the webs at theuntitledgenxpodcast.com. We're also on Instagram and Facebook. We hope you keep in touch, beautiful people. Bye. Bye.